0: everybody. Welcome back and thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Talking Each Other Home. This is a place where we can come and talk openly and honestly about all things spirit stuff. (laughs) It's my mission with this podcast to interview people about their journeys, their lessons, their wisdom, their trials, their tribulations, their dark and their light so that it may be medicine for you and for me to empower and enlighten our journeys as we walk in and talk each other home and so i am your host danny welcome back and joining me in this episode is jatem sheree her name means i love you and she is just mm, how to describe her light high vibration packed into a human form Uh, she owns a metaphysical shop in the caribbean called sage sanctuary and she's a teacher, a shapeshifter, a uh, high priestess. She's everything—a Reiki master. And so, in this episode, if you're ready to go multidimensional with us, this is the this is the podcast for you. But it's also very grounded information. So I don't want to make it seem like it's very up in the ethers, which it is, but it's also very grounded and very practical. And she teaches us, I took notes because (laughs) this podcast was like so deep that I had to take notes for it to, to do the intro properly. And I even, I'm sure I still skipped over some stuff, but she talks about answering the call to spirit and what that journey was like for her. And on one hand, it was very devastating. She ended up losing her husband and then heard the call to answer spirit and like, no, this is your path. And she, I'm putting this in quotes, let the witch out of the closet and began to really embody this high priestess path and going into the divine feminine. And she's traveled so many cool places. You guys, like when I did my Akashic record reading with her, which by the way, that's what she does is Akashic records readings. And among many other things, that's just one of the things I got to experience with her. She was actually in Egypt. We did it in the hotel room in Egypt. So talk about somebody who is out there exploring and discovering spirit outside and within her. Um, And we also talk about trust and how the tapestry of your life is all weaving together perfectly, even though it might not seem like it in the minute, it's all perfect. And, um, and we talk about how everything is you something that she teaches me about the deities, some of the deities that show up in our life that we pray to. So for me, I'm really big on Ganesha and Hanuman right now, Hanuman. I have, and I have two little idols right now, but she's saying these are all aspects, different octaves of you. And so if you have a deity that's showing up for you right now, somebody that you're really drawn to, I think for her, it was ISIS. um, These are just different octaves, different aspects of who we are. And that's why we find reverence and excitement for them. So, um, you know, Again, beautiful episode up in the ethers and yet so grounded. And she is coming on Spirit School to talk about Akashic records and our energy signature. And this is so exciting for me. So spirit school, if you don't know about it, I'm launching a course that's seven months long, and I'm getting all of the different mentors and teachers in my life to come together in one space to teach us week by week about all things spirit. And I have the website up, check the show notes. If you want to check it out more, I, and pretty much I put all the information there. So like all the different people, what they're going to be teaching through the seven months, when the calls are going to be, how much it is, how to sign up. If you want to book a call, that option is on there too with me. Um, but this is going to be such a big deal, you guys. And if you enjoy Jatem and what she has to share and you enjoy her energy and her teachings, join spirit school. Cause you'll get to have like, you know, group slash one-on-one time with her. And she also teaches her own, you know. Reiki classes and numerology classes in symbolism and divination classes. So there'll be opportunities for you to also join spaces where she is the space holder and where it's just her teaching. And so I'm very passionate about this guy, about this, you guys, because I don't know. I'm just really excited about Spirit School. And if you have any interest at all, please click click the link. And if you like Jatem, go check her out on Instagram. Check out her website. She is incredible. She's full of wisdom and light. And I just have nothing but wonderful things to say about her. And so I'll end it there, but enjoy this episode. Check out the links below and I will see you on the next one. Hello. Hello, Jatem. Welcome to the show, Talking Each Other Home. It's such a pleasure and really an honor to have you joining me today.
1: Oh, Danny! I am so excited to be here with you, my sweet sister. Thank you for the invitation. I am just elated to be in your space. Yeah. Thank
0: you. Gosh, okay. So there's lots I want to explore with you today because I look at you as sort of this high priestess, somebody who gets to play in between the realms of the conscious and the unconscious and the Akashic and all these beautiful things that really just excite me. And I know you've traveled to many different places, Egypt and Sedona. I think Israel was on your list. And I, I, when I first talked to you and we had our Akashic record reading, you were in Egypt. Um, so that was really impactful for me because it's a dream of mine to go to Egypt. So there's so much I want to unpack today and I we're probably going to have to do another podcast. I can already see it because <laughs> there's just infinite <laughs> stuff I can talk about with you. Um, and so I guess for people who don't really know who you are yet, I just a little bit of a background on you and what you do and maybe, and then we'll get into like what led you into this spiritual endeavor that you've been on for so long. So let's, I guess, let's just start there and we'll just flow. Yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It's interesting to pinpoint one moment or experience or teaching that kind of led me to this path, but I would say that pretty much all my life I've been deeply seeking something more than what was being given whether it was in school or whether it was by religion or whether it was just by the conditioned expectation of what we uh, should be interested in but I always was seeking more was always looking for an additional maybe confirmation or validation or something that spoke to me through my soul and not through verbiage but really through feeling and I would say that probably the most prevalent um opening or portal into this world for me was plant medicines and so um about 15 years ago I did my first ayahuasca ceremony and it opened up a floodgate that allowed me to remember that this was where my sacred had been laying hidden until I was ready to unearth her until Mm -hmm. I was ready to unbury that treasure and resurrect that sarcophagus and over the next maybe 10 years I sat in close to 60 ceremony sessions with mama Aya and Mm -hmm. really just allowed surrendered remembered and let it flow what was really supposed to come and and root and rise in me at that point um I had a a deep tragedy happened to me about five years ago where my husband passed away in his sleep unexpectedly, mm-hmm. um, no reasoning, no, there was just no meaning for it other than um, what later was to be his messaging to me when he came through and in, in spirit form and really informed me that this was a course correction and that everything up until that moment had been leading me to a new path and a new purpose and maybe not something that was new but maybe I was perceiving it as new and it was something that I had already signed up for in my soul contract and our dual soul contract and it was probably the only thing that was going to be big enough to crash down my house of glass that was surrounding me and really allow me to see beyond the holographic nature of which I was living Mm. and yeah I think that it In that moment, I really turned deeply into my practices that I was keeping very private, that not many people knew about in my personal life. And I just started living my life as a ceremony and not caring about the perspectives of others and what are people going to say. And essentially, I let the witch out of the closet, all of my magic And um, I haven't really looked back since then. And so what that looked like for me was I've always had a deep calling to the feminine, to the lineage and the legacy of the goddess and to what that means, the priestess path, um, the temples, the incense, the, the deep flow of what it means to be so connected to earth. Mm -hmm. So connected to your soul and to your soul consciousness and to the filaments of light and darkness that really make up our existence. So I started there, which (laughs) felt like it was a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, have um, have been continuing to follow those threads, and I would say that it comes in waves, and sometimes I'm like, "What am I doing?" What's going on? Where's the next thread going to lead me? And oftentimes in those moments of deep questioning, it's when I am in integration because I I love a good like adventure. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Um, I very much in my (laughs) left brain, like very masculine yang qualities for most of my life. And so the integration, the pause, the hibernation, the winter, um, sometimes gives me a little bit of a struggle and i've really realized in this moment now that that's the feminine and that's always the path that i've been being called to is the surrender it's that dream time it's that oracular visioning that typically comes so easy to me um, in an everyday walk of life and i find that it's finding the balance and so it's a lifelong journey of being in harmony and this inner marriage with myself and with everyone that I encounter. And so it's this embodiment practice that outwardly shows up as empowerment for other people to find their union, to find their divine marriage, and to find their cultivation of masculine and feminine, hand in hand, walking each other home.
0: (gasps) Yeah goodness. Okay. That just hit me in the soul and it's perfect because our this podcast is talking each other home. So that was just a nice little bow we put on that.
1: <laughs>
0: so I guess, you know, usually I ask this question at the end, but since we're here, um, what is home to you when we say walking each other home or talking each other home? What is it that we're walking to? It's
1: a beautiful question. You know, home's not a physical place for me. It's this it's an in-between realm it feels like a divine dimension where everything stops you ever had that moment where time stops Mm -hmm. and it's usually just a split second for me at least but I'm aware and I'm in my body and simultaneously I'm connected to the cosmos and so home feels to be the traversing of that bridge between heaven and earth where it's perfect And even though perfection doesn't really exist in that sense, it's perfect because it's imperfect. And you get to realize all of the nuances and the the natural elements that sway and flow and the patterning and the rhythms that have brought you here now. And that here and now is home. And I think that's the striving for that we're doing in every single moment is to be home no matter where we are or what we are, who we are, or what we're striving for. But it's to be home in that moment which is every moment. Yeah.
0: So what a beautiful answer. I love that. And I can, I I have had a glimpse of that. And do you mind if I share it with you really quick? And maybe you can tell me if I'm on the right page. So um, I, you know, one of the medicines that I practice with a lot is mushroom psilocybin and I went, I love it. So I went on um a little hike and I was testing out like the dose and the strain and everything like that. So I, I call it a hike with my higher self. And so I started to go on a little walk and I didn't take a whole heck of a lot, but enough to where I thought I would experience something like a gram and a half or something. So it was probably about two hours into the trip and there wasn't a ton happening. And I was like feeling a little bit defeated and like, Oh man, like it's not, you know, because I like the fireworks. I like big, Big, you know, lessons. So it's like, I was like, what, where are they? And then I, I just went to this little cove that I found. It was right near the water. I was sitting on a log and you know, the water was like sparkling and this little duck just comes floating by. And I did time stopped for me and it was absolute presence, absolute stillness. And I was like, Oh, Oh, this is this, this is spirituality. Like there there aren't always big spiritual fireworks that go on. In fact, it's so present. It's so in the moment that if we're not actually paying attention, then we're going to miss it. And so even though there, it it was a big firework that went off, but it wasn't when I was in, like, it was just a weird sort of, you know, and that's how I think medicine works. It's it's like this whole thing. Um, But that just reminded me of that bridge between being in your body and being so present, but also being connected to all that is, so that's yeah. that was my experience of home.
1: Yeah. I love that. And the duck symbolism is really big too. And so you know the ducks really represent um, the calmness on the surface while you are seeking to find the adventure, to find the methods that serve you best underneath the water because their legs are like furiously paddling and up top, they're just like, doo do, do. <laughs> Nobody knows what's going on below the surface. And so it really speaks to that duality of yin and yang and mm. you know, the architecture and the blueprint, you know, and what it looks like to be in the moment, what it looks like to show up, even though you realize that there's more work to come but also acknowledging everything that it's taken you to get to this moment where you have the calm exterior, knowing that there's still some things that you're still working out, that you're still paddling towards, that you're still adventuring towards, seeking. And yet in this moment, it's perfect.
0: Mm. I, man, the symbolism and things just makes me so excited. Thank you for that. And I can even relate to that right now. You know, and and it's calm, but it's we're still we're working. <laughs> we're sometimes against the tide, but we out here. Um, <laughs> so okay, I I don't even know where to go next. I guess you know I know that you teach many things. You you teach symbolism and numerology and the and different types of Reiki, all different kinds of Reiki. Which when we had our conversation the other day, I didn't even know. I finally got my Reiki usui um, certification, which is so exciting for me. And I also learned that you were on this Magdalene path, which I guess, you know, that's been something that's been on my heart to ask you about because I've heard that name dropped. And I know that it's, maybe coming to light now, I think that maybe the the whole story of it was maybe shoved down for a while. And now people are starting to research. And our our FFS sister, Autumn, was the first one who said something about the Magdalene path. And I was like, okay. And she's making malas or something. And then that was all that I heard. And I was like, I clocked it. I said, okay, late. I'll come back to that later. And then you mentioned it. And I said, okay, she's my person that's going to teach me about this. So if you don't mind enlightening me about, uh, I even- whatever you want to share the history of it, where you're at now, how powerful it is. Um, I'm, I'm so green to it that I'm open to everything.
1: Absolutely. This is just one of my favorite topics. And really, I think we're all living the Magdalene path, whether we know it or not. And so if we take ourselves back this is not just about Mary Magdalene, even though she is um, essentially the poster child for the Magdalene movement that is awakening within our consciousness at this time. But this really goes back to the divine feminine. It goes back to the counterpart of God, which is Goddess. It goes back to the Sophionic consciousness, which is where we get the words philosophy and philosophia. This is from Sophionic consciousness. And Sophia is known as the great mother, the counterpart of God, the bride of christ and the magdalene path really stems from priestesses of the ancient temples it stems from them being healers midwives doulas herbalists um witches if we would like to call them that you know it comes from them being tantric sexual um Um, Healers, yes, but adepts and masters, kundalini masters, the awakening of our eros, and the Magdalene path encompasses many different lineages, but all of them have been suppressed. All of them have been laid to rest, or they have been made out to be demonic or evil or sinful, and when we get to Mary Magdalene, women were so oppressed at that time For thousands of years, civilizations were matriarchal, meaning when you were born, you took your mother's name, because that was the way that they could guarantee that this is the lineage that you came from. You literally came out of your mother. There is no question of who your mother is. Paternity can also be questioned, but your motherhood, your mother lineage, the matriarchy that you come from could never have been questioned. And so you would always say, I am Shatem." daughter of daughter of daughter of your lineage was always matriarchal mm. and as we get into the early stages of patriarchy that changes we see a lot of the gods whether it's Enki and Enlil or even Poseidon or Zeus or Bacchus or any of these gods taking on the characteristics of the feminine goddesses when we have um, goddesses like Aset who that's the Egyptian version of Isis Isis is her Greek name she was the goddess of magic she was the goddess of healing of childbirth of the underworld and then as we move into later um, genealogies we see the male gods taking on these characteristics we see them saying "Oh, I'm the the god of magic no I'm the god of healing I'm the god of writing and all of these things that were originally um, solely attributes of the feminine divinities and the Magdalene path Yes, it's about reclamation, but it's so, it really is about the remembrance mm. that we come to these deeply divine lineages and legacies that have essentially been ripped away from our memories. And so the recall of what's happening right now is removing moving through the Ascension process. It's wild. And a lot of us are really not understanding. And I only say this because- I own a metaphysical store so daily, I get people coming in saying, I don't know what the fuck's going on, freaking animal, having these weird dreams, like, you know, it's just all of these things. And I know that we're going through a really deep ascension process right now that not only enables us to access our memories that come from these deep seated genetic memories and neural pathways that are retying themselves together. And we're getting these big sparks of remembrance and recall. And additionally, there's so much more that's coming to light, whether that be in research or new translations of ancient texts or people just not giving a fuck anymore and coming out and speaking about what has been known in our religious histories as being truth. But Mm -hmm. it's not all of the truth. There is a whole gospel of Mary Magdalene that many people don't really talk about there is the Pista Sophia, there's the Nag Hammadi text, there's all of these ancient codexes that come to light that speak to Mary Magdalene being not only the counterpart of Jesus, but being his equal in healership, and also in the fact that they shared this mission of of magic, essentially, they shared Mm -hmm. this mission of the remembrance and this mission of relegating to people that God and divinity and and the sacred soul is always carried within, you know, and that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of the cosmos, whatever you'd like to call it, is carried within. Mm-hmm. And I went to Catholic school for most of my life, and I remember very good student, but always in trouble because <laughs> I was like, where are all, the, where are all the women like this? And from the beginning, it never felt true to me. And I was always, why, why, why? And they were like, you asked too many questions. And I was like, no, I'm feeling like I'm not asking enough. And also you're not giving any answers. And so there's always going to be questions. And so it felt like my life was directed and kind of an arrow shot back into the direction of figuring out what truth is for me when it comes to The divine feminine and on an even deeper level what it means to be a divine being within this human experience and existence and part of that has really come up as a resurrection of the divine feminine and understanding that we can trust our own truth. And that the truth that comes up for us and who we are in this paradigm, that we are not less than, that we are completely equal, and that our equality is actually rising in every single moment. And that's what ascension is. It's our level, our median level of equality is rising collectively. And so we can hop on, or not to say we'll get left behind, but you might be in a remedial class. <laughs> so. Yeah, we're in a moment where the Magdalene is resurrecting. And what that really means in simplest terms is that the divine feminine is awakening. Mm-hmm. She's coming out of her tomb where she's been buried. She's taking off the muzzle where she's been silenced. And she's removing her veil where she has been covered. And that unveiling of the divine feminine is really what's going to carry us into this next epoch of ascension because we need that. The feminine is the blueprint. She is the dream. And we cannot architect anything. We cannot build anything. We cannot plan anything without the dream, without that manifestation, which has to come first before we can put it into physicality. And so it's almost as if we are restarting. Over the last three years, I think many of us can agree that it's been a complete crash, a rubbling, a diminishing of what it is that we thought we knew what it is that we thought was our plan, what it is that we thought we could move forward with. And we are rising from those ashes anew at an equal base so that we can ascend together collectively. The divine feminine plays her role in that as unveiling, revealing the dream, the blueprint, so that we can actually take that, revise if necessary, and then architect this into our reality when we're ready.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. I got, there was like lots of goosebumps that happened with the veil coming off and the revealing of this and that, and that was just such a beautiful example. And so, and I feel that within myself, like I'm starting to come into my new power and just not giving a fuck what I want to talk about, like talking about this, like I want to talk about spirit. I don't really care what anybody else thinks that I should talk about or how I should be doing business or making money or whatever it is. I know that this is what lights me up more than anything in the universe. And this is what I'm here to do is maybe even be the bridge between people who have questions and finding wonderful people like yourself who can explain what we're going through. So that's something that I've been really leaning into lately is like my own power and what I'm here to do and something that's been coming up for me a lot is this word courage and bravery. And you know, we talked you're going to come on my mastermind which I'm so excited about. There there's a certain level of bravery that I'm really having to cultivate with this because I care about it. Um, and it's medicine for me. It's very exciting for me. And in my head, it's like, do other people care about their spiritual journey as much as I do? Do they want to study? Do they want inner peace and trust and understanding as much as I feel it's important? Um, and so it's, there's a lot of stuff going into me creating this other than me just orchestrating the tribe. It's me stepping into me and leaving my bodybuilding self, you know, (laughs) Um, and you know, the last year, last mastermind I did was very much mind, body, spirit. And now I'm like, all spirit, like the mind and the body will take care of itself. If you study the spirit, everything else will start to flow and make sense and fall into place. And so that's where, what I believe and where I'm at. So, um, I really feel that the feminine power coming back online. And, um, and so I guess, all right, my, my next question is for people out there who are, starting to to notice that they have power within them who are starting to reclaim their femininity who are starting to step up and not give a fuck anymore um what would you say like what practices or what could people do to really harness this and understand themselves better so that they can courageously step forward into their light and their power and serve how they really want to serve
1: oh i love that and i think you said it specifically you said courage is my word for this year and really my word for what I'm really feeling. And the root of courage is courage and it's French and courage means heart and age is the age. And what it is that we're all feeling right now is we want to courageously step in. It's the age of the heart. And so when we are courageous, we are stepping into the age of our heart and the practices that I always recommend to my clients and to (laughs) literally strangers (laughs) all the time. (laughs) Um, It's to feel it from that portal of the heart. We are so constantly ravished with all of the thoughts and remunerations of our mind. And our mind is the most incredible conscious being. And we often neglect our heart. And our heart is actually the first point of contact for the intelligent language of our body, the intelligent language of being in a human body, in a human experience. And oftentimes we bypass that. And the bypassing of our heart means that we actually cannot be on our bridge between earth and heaven. It means that we bypass that entire route to be on that bridge. And we have to take alternate routes to find our divinity. And so for me, the practices that I embody are literally sitting in with my heart and mm-hmm. counting my heartbeats, listening to my breath, not necessarily to the thoughts that are going through in my mind, but my meditation will consist of what does the breath sound like? Does it sound like the ocean? Does it sound like a dear friend whispering in my ear? Does it sound like an angel sitting here in front of me? Or does it sound like death? Does it sound like misery? Does it sound like sadness? Mm. And being present with what the language of my intelligent self is telling me through the portal of my heart. And you spoke about that mind, body, and spirit. This is what in biblical terms we call the Trinity. And the Trinity has to have a foundation for it to have a peak. And the peak is the beacon. It is where our light shoots off into the cosmos, reverberates around and comes right back down into us. And so having that foundation of spirit allows us to be in full contact and connection with mind and body. And that is through the portal of the heart. That is like the most direct route to get there. And so breath work is really beautiful practice. I love drinking cacao. That's what I have here with me. Mm -hmm. Um, I read tarot every morning for myself um, in addition to doing it for clients, but it's also a practice that really allows me to sink into my trust of my truth because I'll wake up with a feeling on my chest, on my heart. I'll sit with it and say, okay, yeah, yeah, sure, I got that, whatever. (laughs) You know, do some tarot cards and be like, fuck all right, now I know it's real. (laughs) That's my validation. Go out into the world and I'll be open to receive the support or the guidance or the clarity that's really coming from that messaging of the portal of the heart. And it always comes through. And a huge thing for me is this truth and trust because so often we don't believe our own truth and better yet, we don't even trust it. And if we can't trust what is innately coming from our spirit, our soul, from the deepest and the highest depths of our being, how can we trust anything? And that's our foundation. That's our spiritual platform for us to be able to connect mind and bodies. It's that truth and trust of that inner realm of what our spirit is speaking to us on, with, through, and for.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Damn. That's good stuff. And so, okay. Intuition, something, some people knew on the spiritual path and even myself, sometimes how, how do you, and maybe it's just practice and and learning and listening, but how do you begin to develop a trust with your intuition and where, you know, it's your heart speaking to you or your third eye center speaking, not fear or your ego. How do you begin to discern that voice? Mm. Ask (laughs)
1: Ooh. <laughs> question and it's 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 really interesting because this took me a long time to kind of come into that trusting of and I would get an insight and I'd be like oh no no, no. that that doesn't land or that's not for me or whatever it is and I would almost immediately disassociate with it instead of engaging with it introducing myself to it coming into a dialogue with the insight with the download and really getting to know what are the edges of this what is the inner workings of this um is it showing up in a space in a capacity of love or surrender awakening whatever it wants to be or is it showing up in a sense of ego or judgment um or anxiety or trauma. And so often, for example, oftentimes when I'm doing Akashic Record readings, I will get a huge download or insight that feels like it's for me. Like if it relates to priestess path or Egypt or ISIS <laughs> or Mary, and I'm like, is this for me? You know? <laughs> and for a long time when I really started doing this professionally, I was questioning a lot of the information that was coming through because it felt like it was so closely related to my path. And so I very rarely do Akashic Record readings for myself. um, And it kind of has to do with me really staying in my integrity of sacred space and not just doing it willy-nilly because then it feels like I'm not engaging with life myself to understand and to navigate on my own. I'm just going straight to source and being like giving me the answers. So very rarely I do uh, ask or do these sessions for myself. But I did in this point. And I asked why are so many of my clients giving downloads that feel like they're intimately connected with my path? And they said, why would we bring you clients otherwise?
0: Mm. Why
1: wouldn't we bring you those people that are intimately connected with your path? Because who better to be able to either guide or direct or help them remember than someone who has traversed these multidimensional paths as well. And so every person that comes to you for a reading, for a session, even that just meets you in the grocery store, has some continuous destiny thread that you can weave together. And you have to trust that. You have to trust that every single encounter and engagement and experience is intimately weaved into what it is that you have been doing past, future, and presently. And so all of it is the toroidal field of the multidimensional lives that you are living and so I ask now when something comes in as a huge insight and it's almost like light speed like the insight comes in and before I think I can consciously ask the question it's already gone out and yeah, I'll get questions about, okay, well, why, why are you showing me a lifetime in Egypt for this person? Or Why are you showing me a lifetime um, as a Druid? Because I'm like deeply embedded in the Druid culture. Um, and they'll say, okay, and the, the information will come back instantaneously. And it's not as, as if um, it's like reading a book, but it comes back almost as if someone has whispered it in my ear, or it's a sensation in my body that allows me to bring forth The dialogue with ease. Sometimes something comes out of my mouth and it'll be minutes later that I even realize that I spoke. Um, There's something deep inside of us that is also a part of our soul, that is part of our multidimensional selves, our ancestors, past, present, and future, that will speak for you. And with you. And it's not as if it's like taking over your body, or at least not for me. It doesn't ever feel like that. It feels very safe. It feels very comforting. It feels very intimate as if I'm sharing. Mm my human experience with my entire lineage and legacy and they're stepping forth to provide information that me Jatam and this human incarnation in this dimension doesn't necessarily have but i have the capability to reach beyond the veil and hold hands with an ancestor and that transference of information will come through me and so i ask and the answers that come back i believe And I think, yes, it does take a moment to get to that space where you believe it without questioning it. And I do think that it's very important for us to still hold discernment in every moment of our lives. Um, I've had channelings come through where I was like, I have to ask and I have to demand actually that this be an unconditional love that whatever this energy is, is coming from an unconditional origin place of love. And sometimes the information will turn around and it may still be the same core message, but it might be coming from a different origin or it might be said differently. And so we actually get to create parameters and instructions and regulations for our connection with spirit. Um, I have a mentor who says only between the hours of eight until 11, can I receive downloads? No other time. And that really taught me a lot. You know, he was, uh, I have a mentor in Hawaii. His name is Keoni Hanalei of Pohala Botanicals, who just blows my mind. And, you know, he really advocates for us utilizing this connection as a connection, as a relationship. There is nothing outside of us that's Bigger than us. We each carry the God spark. We each carry the divine lightning rod within us, known as our Kundalini. And so there's nothing that's bigger than us. We keep kind of relegating our power to an external force and saying, you know, we're praying. And I am a complete advocate of prayer. But what are we praying to? And I think also that helps us to believe in our truth and our trust when we have a deep divine knowing that what we are praying to is a larger amalgamation of ourselves, of collective consciousness, and that the heart of God that we are sending our prayers to is our heart. It is that bridge between the cosmos and earth. And so it is that cyclical rhythmic patterning that we're giving our prayers or inquiries or our desires over to, and it comes right back to us on the wheel and the circle In the chariot of time, it comes right back to us as innately the information that we already knew inside and just needed a little bit of validation from, from our multidimensional selves, from what we would call God, spirits, angels, guides, guardians. It's all us on a different level and spectrum and octave, but it's all us. Mm. And so trusting, trusting the truth that all of it is you.
0: That's, you know, that's something my mentor tells me too. And she's like, it's all you anyway. She always says that. And like, I'm, it's at the first actually year that she told me that I don't know that I fully believed that, or I didn't, I didn't intellectually understand how it could all be me if it felt so outside of me. Um, and now I'm starting to understand that every it's all reflections of me and we're all part of this whole, and we're all part of the same spirit and God spark. So how could it be separate? if you believe all is one, how could they be separate? They're all different, you know, reflections of you, even spirit guides are different aspects of you. And okay. So you mentioned multidimensionality a couple of times, and this is something that I've been really curious about. And again, it's one of those things that at first I couldn't even hear it. You know, I was like, Okay. And now I now I believe it. And I'm it's starting to drop in and starting to integrate. And so I just have a couple more uh, questions or or would like a little a little extra stuff around that. And I'm for me, what my understanding is now that we have different and I picture them like layers of our bodies. This is how I I see it. And so we have our physical body, our mental body, our astral, our causal something like that. And so I see like big traces and probably cause I've seen a picture on Pinterest or something, but I'm very visual with things. And so the multidimensionality, and that might even speak to time as well, because I think you mentioned also that past, present and future is also happening in the same moment. And time for me is like the multidimensionality. I'm starting to understand how they all happen simultaneously, but it's, there's something that I'm waiting for that little thing to just okay, that's it. I fully understand it. So if you, if you don't mind dancing around those topics with me.
1: Yes. I think multidimensionality gives many of us kind of pause because we're like, what, how do we remove ourselves from the linearity of time? And I think the best way that it's been described to me is that I remember when the new age movement became very big and everyone started talking about 4d and 5d and all the D's and, my question was always, how are we jumping from what we know now is 3D into 5D? Because nobody was really talking about 4D. They're like, we're moving into 5D. And I'm like, great. How are we crossing the bridge for over to 4? <laughs> and the way that it's been explained to me is that we're in this physical nature right now. And we are engaging with gravity. We're engaging with time, we're engaging with the constructs and the constraints of kind of the holograph and when I say the holograph, the meanings that we can't see the dimensions that live side by side next to each other so it is this holograph we're projecting in front of us a generated view of what our free will choices have brought us to. And so when we talk about moving through the dimensions and multidimensionality, when we move into 5D, we cross the threshold of time and we move into timelessness. Mm -hmm. And so when we move into timelessness, we remove the constructs of linearity. We remove the constructs of past, present and future. And we're able to see that it's like a kaleidoscope, that the holographic nature that we are experiencing in 3D is more so like a kaleidoscope of different shapes sacred geometries, octaves, musical notes, colors, um, energies, emotions. And that turned in certain specific dials is the projection of the holographic nature of our life in this moment. But turned slightly in another direction, we see a a new dimension, a new presentation, a new landscape before us. And so as we move through, and what's been known to what's been known to be talked about is we're moving into a crystalline human experience from a carbon-based. So when we talk about carbon-based, that is heavy. It is kind of this laden um, energy that ties us to gravity where our feet stay on the ground. But as we actually move through multidimensionality, our body starts to vibrate at a higher rate, which is known as the crystalline vibration. And as we move into the crystalline vibration, Crystals vibrate at the speed of light. Light is just encoded information. And so when we talk about encoded information, we go back into things like the kaleidoscope or sacred geometry or octaves or musical notes. These are all encoded information. It's what's encoded in the ancient temples in the pyramids of Egypt or Mexico or Teotihuacan or the one in Turkey that I can't remember the name of it right now. Mm But there, it's this encoding, this decryption that allows us, if we are able to, and if we give ourselves permission to move through these states of multidimensionality, and when we reverberate at a crystalline frequency, all of the kaleidoscope, the shapes, the octaves, the musical notes, they become as one. And they vibrate just as one octave of light. And light, as I've said, is encoded information. And at that point, we have the ability to access all that ever was, all that ever is, all that is happening. And so multidimensionality in its basis form speaks to us being able to move from a dense, kind of heavy, laden with our human experience and not really understanding, I would call it a technology, but not really understanding the divinity of technology or, or the technology of divinity. And as we move through that and allow ourselves to encode our bodies as well as our experiences with more light then we shed the density and multi-dimensionality becomes part of our everyday experience because it's a ceremony and it's a reverence And it's a ritual for our life experience that is not only being opened to a wider viewpoint of what the kaleidoscope wants to show us, what it wants to gift us or what it wants to actually give us back that has always been ours inherently as our birthright. And it speaks in a language that we then have the capacity to understand. And what that really means is multidimensionality is an opening to a higher octave of our souls, to a higher octave of our ancestors, our angels, our guides, and our guardians, which literally, as we've said before, are all just permutations of ourself. And so multidimensionality is a remembrance that we are the kaleidoscope. And that we are all octaves, whether or not we can perceive it, just like we can only see a certain amount of a rainbow because the spectrum of light is only visible to us on a certain area. It's when we broaden that spectrum of light. It's when we broaden our spectrum of understanding, when we broaden our spectrum of the kaleidoscope to encompass our entire landscape, our entire environment, and most importantly, ourselves. And that we are the landscape. We create that multidimensionality, but it's through an opening and it's through an awakening. And this is what we call enlightenment. And that's why enlightenment or light is encoded information. And so when we enlighten ourselves, we unburden ourselves from the depths of gravity, the depths of the heaviness, and we allow the encoded light, the filaments of light to completely enmesh and entangle with ourselves, including us in the kaleidoscope. And so therefore, we can really have a full Recollection and remembrance, but also this kind of full reinstatement of every part of ourselves that is inherently ours.
0: Mm. Okay, all right. That's like okay, <laughs> um, and
1: I they have just confused you a little more.
0: <laughs> I. That was such great visuals with that, with the sacred geometry and everything going in. It was almost like you, you were taking me on like a medicine journey through that. And it was really cool to be under. And actually, do you think that the medicine, plant medicine, psychedelics have helped you understand 5D a little bit more and maybe give it visual or portal you into that realm?
1: I think specifically plant medicines are a hack. Yes. to the opening of multidimensionality. And so not only, and yes, plant medicines and also the, the sacred space that you allow yourself and the steward of that sacred space, whether it's you or another, um, but it's about having a guardian at the gate. And the gate is always open. Um, and sometimes the gate is always open because we always hold the key. And I find that Plant medicines really allow us to have the, I would call it power, but it's something deeper than that. It's a worthiness, worthiness. that we're that we have that capability to walk through the gate. And what's on the other side is meant for us, that there's value in us walking through that gate. Uh, I meet so many people that are like, why me? why why have i been chosen, or why do, why am i receiving these things right now and i said well maybe that's not the question why not you why is it that we are so instilled with this this mindset that it can't be us and i think a lot of what plant medicine and the multi-dimensionality of, of just our existence is really saying is that there is absolutely nothing that is not you So it's not even a question of why me or even why not me. It's like, you already are, it all is. (laughs) So the plant medicines have really taught me that most specifically um, five MEO has been probably the deepest dive I've ever done in my life. When it comes to a psychedelic that had me sitting in the heart of God Mm -hmm. as not a human, not even a divine being, but just at one with everything and nothing at the same time. And I think that to me is the essence of what God is. It is ineffable and undefinable, but that's the presence that we've been speaking of. That's that truth and that trust that there is no definition. There is no explanation. It's pure presence and purity. And I think we get a glimpse of that through plant medicines. And it's a reminder, it's a gentle nudge that this is always waiting for us, here for us, present for us, and guiding us in every moment. And we need that, we need that reminder so desperately sometimes When how we're living in our lives. The reminder is life. And sometimes it is the difference between life or death is to have that reminder.
0: Mm, I love that quote, the reminder is life. Hello life. And I think that's why plant medicine experiences are so powerful for people. Like sometimes people just need one ayahuasca and then they're done. They get it. Okay. Got the message that was blew my doors off. And I think that's why it can be so profound is because the universe opens up to you and you see what you and what this all it really is. Um, and yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, and something about multidimensionality, I just want to something that I've been explaining to my clients because they say, well, I've heard that we're all one, but I don't believe that because we're separate. And the way I understand it is yes, on this dimension, we are separate, but on other dimensions, we are all one. We're all connected and there is no separation. So it's both. And if you want to just operate here, yes, you can say we're separate, but that's really not true. (laughs)
1: And separation is a man-made construct, you know, we have created this and it really goes even back into like the Magdalene path, you know, it goes back into our separation of masculine and feminine, our complete, like creating a corridor in between and only those that are worthy get to walk in between. And I think one of the best ways that I've been able to explain polarity, duality and separation is that. In the beginning, there was the word, and this is how, you know, whether it's the Big Bang Theory or you want to go with the biblical text, how consciousness was formed is that there was an understanding that God wanted to experience love because God was the all-encompassing energetic force of the universe, but it couldn't know love because there was nothing external from it. There was nothing other than God. And so yes, it could love itself, but there is no self to God. And so God separated from self so that it could have a reflection of itself to love. And as they separated from self, this is what in Hawaiian is called Aloha Ma, and it's called self-reflective love. It's being able to look at yourself in the self-reflection of your own divinity. And this is how consciousness was born. This is how masculine and feminine was born. This is how light and dark as above, so below was born. It's through the consciousness of knowing that every single reflection of ourselves is born out of love. And the reflection is only there to remind us of our inherent ability for and capacity of love.
0: Love, that almost made me cry when, Um, you just said that almost like God created a reflection to love and be loved by it's like, it's so, it's so sweet to think of. And the more that we become enlightened and go on this path and we learn to love God instead of fear God, like the word, the term God fearing really throws me because I don't think God is something to be feared. I, I actually really, really don't like that term at all. I'm like, I don't even know why anybody would say that, but I because me, I understand God is unconditional loving presence and all of these different things. um. But I really love the idea that God created us so that we could love God, essentially love ourselves. And that's like the path to, you know, spirituality is, is figuring that out. And I think that's why learning spirituality feels so good because it's love. The end, and that was my big lesson from my most recent ayahuasca experience was love is the guru. Like love is the teacher, it's the one, we are it. And so, you know, there's this um this Vedic chant I love It's called Mire Guru Dev, my guru. And you know, it says, I'm not worthy, I throw these flowers at your feet, all that I am is because of you. And I love this chant. And I would think, Why? Who who is this guru that's so important? I mean, I know Ram Das had Maharaji and all these different things, but like this felt like another level of of reverence and honoring. And that chant came on during my ayahuasca experience. And I was like, I mean, weeping on another level and going, Oh, love, love is the guru. It all comes back to love. We are love. It is love. The whole teaching is love. So thank you for clarifying, like reminding me of that, because that was a big, huge, beautiful lesson for me.
1: Thank you for sharing that. I think that's It's the most beautiful revelation I think that any of us can come to and that our gurus, our deities, our gods, our practices are all in divine reverence to an octave of ourselves. And so anytime we have, like for me, it's it's ISIS, like it's always been. And it's, and I don't even know why before I even really knew who ISIS was, I was like, oh, this is it this is it and I don't know why and I don't know how and realizing that it's an higher octave of a part of me that exists on a multi-dimensional plane and so yes when I give reverence or when I sit at my sacred space at my altar and I put rose petals at you know her feet I'm not worshiping an idol I'm worshiping an octave of myself that I see so deeply and continuously in my path now that I'm walking in the path of the footsteps of the goddess because that at one point in time, non-linear time, of course, has been me on so many levels, has been all of us as women, has been all of us as keepers of the old ways and resurrectors of these old ways. Because even if we talk about it being the old ways, in a lot of ways, they are the new ways because we're bringing them back in the cyclical nature of, of our existence. We're bringing them back from the dead And we are, for lack of a better word, necromancers in some way, because we are raising from the dead a lot of these practices, these um, remembrances, and and more deeply, like, these octaves of of ourselves that are still living, are still practicing, and are still giving to us. And that's it. Like, so when we have a guru, we have a practice, when we have a deity or... Um, a sublimation practice it's about giving that reverence that prayer that passion and that purpose to an octave of you that you are reincarnating into now that you are shape shifting into now and it's like shape shifting into another octave of your sacred self in every moment and I think when we think about it that way it's not so much you know, an idol or something external outside of herself. No, but it's an expansion and it's that multi-dimensional opening that we are calling through for all of our ancestral knowledge and wisdom and unconditional love to be filtered through. And you said something really important earlier. Mm-hmm. And I forget exactly what you said, so I won't even try to paraphrase, but it it landed in me as the way that I teach the energy systems go because you're talking about the the auric field and the causal and the astral bodies and things like that. And the way that I teach about the chakras specifically is that we have a front side and a back side to our chakras which goes back into god separating from itself so that it could love itself. And so there's a back side and a front side to our energy centers and so we receive and we release. On one side and another side of our chakras and for me the way that i see it intuitively and the way that it's come through in channeled sessions it's almost as if it's like this disc that clicks into each other the front side and the back side and it's like click click and it clicks in and when we do or when we have an imbalance in our energy centers or when we are experiencing an inordinate amount of grief or sadness or trauma it's because there has been an either an unclicking or there is a blockage between how we are receiving and how we are releasing this energy. Mm-hmm. And so, so much gets stuck in between of that portal, in between of that bridge. Because we have bridges, we have filaments of light. We have um, what I like to call like the cosmic highways that are going through not only our body and our kundalini, which is our central center, our cord, our our spine. But we have them coming in diagonally. We have them coming in at different um, areas in our body, in our field, in our larger field. And so every one of these highways, every one of these passageways, these gateways, these portals, whatever you'd like to call it, they have a front and the back and how we engage with what we receive and how we engage with what we consciously release to make space to be able to receive more is where we encounter resistance or it's where we encounter release. And I think this is just a really prevalent note to put in here is that it's always up to us. Our permission is our field, and it is our permission that we can grant to our field to release that which is no longer serving us, which is the, the the density and the heaviness of the 3D, and to allow for a higher octave of our multidimensional self to come in and root and rise. But it can't do that unless we've created space for it, and so that speaks to like the inhale and the exhale. You know, we're here to exhale in a really big release to let go of everything right now that just feels like it's not our truth and to trust that a new truth will fill its place that feels so much more contoured and ready to serve us in this moment than anything else that we had before and it allows us to take this huge inhale that fills us up that satiates us that provides us with the nourishment of what is next and what is here to fill that void.
0: Okay amazing thank you three things i have to comment on the first one is the deity or deity um today my hanuman came in and i love him i had a little ceremony with the chanting he's over there he's where i meditate and he's that i like the the depiction of him meditating because that's how I do my devotion right now is in meditation for me to sit there. So I ha he came today. We had a whole thing. I saged him. We listened to the chanting and I love the idea of, of him being another octave of me. And because I'm, I love to serve. I love to devote. That's something that's really coming online for me now and being courageous and strong and kind of, so that's something that I'm really calling in and cultivating. And I just love the idea of him being a reflection of me. I think that's so powerful. And, um, the other thing is I love that you mentioned the front and back of the chakras. So I love getting validation like this for my mentor. So something that my mentor Shelby has been teaching me is that we have chakras in the front and the back. And so for the last two years that I've been working with her, when I meditate, I turn on the chakras in the back and I turn them on in the front. So I have this whole thing that I do where I, I name them in their Sanskrit proper name and I spin them, spin, 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 and I go all the way through. And today they were actually really good, like flowing in the front. If I ever have a problem or anything ever feels sticky, it's usually in the front, lower centers. I am I'm usually pretty okay here. Some hearts usually good. And then things will start to wobble a little bit when I'm trying to turn, it'll, it'll get sticky. So I love hearing validation and it's like, okay, okay. I'm on the right path. It's like, so good to hear that. Um, So thank you for that. And there was one more thing I really wanted to comment on. I don't remember now it Wasn't <laughs> that important. No, it definitely was. Well, okay. That's we'll just, I'll just, it'll come back to me, but before we, you know, end, I, I want to talk about the Akashic records and readings that you do, because I had the pleasure of having an Akasha greeting with you. And it was so powerful for me. And it was so, so spot on. And I just knew after meeting you and seeing you on the calls, I said, okay, there's something different about this woman. There's something very light and very true and pure about her. And I said, if I'm going to you know invest in myself and invest in learning about the Akashic records, this is the person I'm going to do it with. And I'm so happy I listened to my intuition on that because it is still with me today. And I don't know how long ago we did that, a year and a half, probably. So or when yeah.
1: It feels like that. Definitely. Yeah, it feels like either the end of 2020 or early 2020. End of 2021 or early 2022.
0: Yeah, it's been at least a year for sure. At least a year. And I remember you something big you were saying. Things are going to crumble. Sekhmet came in and she was, you know, kind of a little bit of that Kali energy. Like she's going to take some stuff down for There's going to be a little bit of destruction, but it's going to build a new that happened. I, I launched the mastermind first time I've ever done something that was five months long. It was huge. And then something else also came in about me having tentacles in everybody's life, which is so true because I have many friends I am coaching and I have these group programs. So it's very hard for me to shut off when I communicate and text and respond back to people, it is just like, I'm all up in everything. So that was a big thing about me pulling my energy back in. Um, and so I just, I want to talk about the Akashic space because what you pulled down and channeled was so spot on. And so if you don't mind taking me into that realm with you for a moment, um, and I just want to extend just want to let people know like you do readings online and so if this resonates with you like please contact her you it's like so important um, but so take me into the akashic realm for a moment
1: absolutely so the akashic realm sorry i immediately closed my eyes it's so funny <laughs> um the akashic realm is known as an etheric library and when we talk about it being an etheric library it exists in a multi-dimensional plane and what has been said by mystics and And really just from what I've experienced on my own is that it is a repository of light encoded information that carries the vibration of everything that has ever happened. And so going back into the ancient origins of how humanity was seated on planet Earth and deep and far into our future as well. And then it also encompasses lives on other planets, um, lives in other dimensions, animals spirits guardians ancestors the elements it really encompasses everything and the way that it really channels through me as the conduit is that I receive more cosmological information for people it feels like if they have had um, an ancient lifetime or if they are anchoring in codes from another cosmic location. Like it feels like that comes through me quite often. Like it's all the things that I'm very interested in. So I'm not surprised because I can easily be able to pull down information from that and then couple it with what I already know physically in this body, but also couple it with what I know from my genetic DNA and from my genetic memories and the neural pathways that are you know coming together which each and every new day. And so the Akashic records, typically holds a guide or guides that we will meet once we open up the records with an invocation. And there's always some landing message before we ever even get into any questions. There's something that wants to be imparted from the get-go. And 100% out of 100%, that message always weaves into whatever your questions are. And as I said earlier, I never want to know the questions beforehand. It's something that I want you to ask once you're in the records, because je is not your guide and guardian per se and a multidimensional self, yes. But I'm just the divine straw that you are sucking on one end and God is sucking on the other end. And I'm just pulling through the information so that it can be disseminated in the proper form. And the information that comes through, very often I don't remember it maybe 30 to 45 minutes after a session is complete, I'm like, Ooh, that literally went out because it's not mine. It's not mine to hold. I'm literally serving a tray of what is already your birthright to receive. Mm -hmm. And anytime you come into these sessions, I always tell people because I am clairvoyant and clairaudient. And so I hear things and I see things and I also get sensations within my body. And so if somebody restricts, tightens, you know, gets really, um, held up i feel it within my body because we are sharing an energetic core during the session and so as open as you can be as ready to receive as you can be and i don't tell people to come to this session lightly like this is a moment in time that will be a milestone and it has nothing to do with me but it's about you approaching the altar of yourself naked raw wild and ready to receive all that has been waiting as an offering for you It's so it's like giving an offering and receiving the offering back to yourself through multidimensional channels. And so sometimes we're not ready for that. Sometimes it's big. And I will say the records do not impart any information that you're not ready for. So when I feel the contraction, when I feel any energies that are not completely open, I'll say, okay, let's take a moment. Let's take a breath. I realize this might be a lot of information. Are you ready to continue? The records will not give you any information that you cannot integrate. And so that will help to alleviate some people's, I don't know if it's fear, but it also feels like a it feels like a worthiness piece. Like, am I worthy enough to step into this higher octave of myself? It always for me comes back to worthiness. And so the records have a very uncanny way of preparing you for the worthiness that is on your way the worthiness that you have signed up to receive in this life and that is very clearly stated in your soul contract and it repetitively does so and i love being a steward of this energy and ultimately, I feel like the energy that we're tapping into in the Akashic Records is the same energy that we're tapping into for Reiki. It's the same energy that we're tapping into when I do divination for tarot or when I do rituals or ceremonies or anything like that. It's the same energy we tap into in breath work. It's the same energy we tap into in plant medicines. We're all tapping into a collective consciousness field that holds the blueprint of all of our existence, the planet the galaxy, the universal, our memories, everything, and we get to tap into it at different intervals and different portals and stargates based on how we receive, and for me, I receive it in this way of give me all the cosmic information, give me all the information that feels like it's an ancient or a past life or a future life or off planet or anything like that, give me any of the mystical information, and that feels like it flows through me with and grace at my metaphysical store we have a few different mediums and channels and some people will take you back into your childhood traumas and i'm like that is such big work but that's not for me (laughs) that's not the way that i channel that's not the way that it wants to become to come through me and so i think that any person who actively wants to engage with their divinity we have these specific um taglines or these specific um highways that really relate to who we are on a human level and what we engage in most often to bring about our soul's information. And for me, the soul's information is embodiment and it's empowerment. And it's really reminding people of their divine capacity to receive and to be worthy of that receipt.
0: Mm. So even though I got a reading before, would it be beneficial for me to maybe get another one? It, would the information be different at this stage of my life now, even though I've had one a year ago or so?
1: Absolutely. I typically, cause people always ask, they're like, when can I get another one? I'm like, <laughs> all right, buddy, slow down. Because I also want people to be able to take that information and to utilize it. You know, some people like to relegate their power to an external source. And so I sometimes have had clients that come back, you know, three months later and they're like, I need another one. I'm like, okay, let's go through your notes. Have you done all of the work that your guides have said, this is really important for you to step into that next octave for you to climb that next ladder on the rung. And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, call me in nine months, you know, give it a gestative womb time for something new to be rebirthed. And so typically I'll do a session, um, for people like once a year or, you know, at the most once every six months, but I feel like being in my integrity, I want people to feel their own power and to understand that it all, the permission of that power really only lies in themselves and not an external conduit as myself, but it would be an utmost honor to steward another session for you. Absolutely.
0: I would love that. I feel, I feel like the timing is right because now I'm embarking on this new journey, which is really full spirit for me. Um, so it just feels like um, something is knocking. It, it's almost like I'm, I'm, there's like something I'm like right on the cusp. This is how I feel right now. I'm like right here on this cusp of figuring stuff out. Oh my God. I, re- I just remembered whatever the other thing I was going to ask you was, and we'll start to kind of wrap it up here. I, I could go on for hours with you, Shatem, because I'm infinitely curious. I just want to be there in the Caribbean with you. Like, tell me everything. <laughs> Teach me everything.
1: <laughs> Likewise. Absolutely. Likewise.
0: And where in the Caribbean are you? I'm in the Virgin Islands. Virgin Islands. And you have a store called S- Sage Sanctuary. Okay. I didn't want to, I didn't want to butcher it. Sage Sanctuary. Oh my gosh. It's like a dream to actually visit that place. Um. <laughs> So you mentioned releasing habits, releasing things that no longer serve us with trust that something will fill it in something better of even higher light. Um, You know, and this is like new year, new me, all this kind of new energy. When I know people are trying to release some habits as well as myself, Um, what is something how do we begin to to release that and to trust and i know it's like the first couple of days are the hardest to stop a certain thing or to get re- or to get into to start meditating to stop smoking to get to the gym to whatever it might be how do we start to take the first couple of steps in releasing that and trusting
1: Oh, that's such a beautiful question. And um, there's a couple layers for that. And so as we talk about starting the new year, I do follow the what's known as the pagan wheel of the year. And so with that being said, the new year doesn't start until spring equinox on the pagan wheel of the year, which to me makes a lot more sense. It's when everything is starting to sprout, everything has been rebirthed. Um, The Gregorian calendar doesn't make a ton of sense to me where we start a new year in the dead of winter. And even I'm in the Caribbean, it's summer here all year round. But in every other place, at least in the northern hemisphere, when we start in the dead of winter it kind of throws off our, our rhythms and our circadian rhythms really, and we have what's also known as circ annual rhythms which are rhythms that are dictated by the seasons. And so as this winter season comes to close, it's a really beautiful time to release. And so I would say to actually take these next couple months, January and February, and even into the beginning of March, as we lead into the spring equinox, to decipher what it is that you do want to release. Because so often we are like new year, new me, but what does that really look like? What does it look like for the new you to literally emerge from the chrysalis to come out as the butterfly? There's a lot of goo. There's a lot of mucus and things that needs to kind of fall off in that chrysalis but we're not often very aware of what that is and so it's like taking this time where we are still in hibernation we're still in the womb space we are still in the dream to understand what it is that wants to be cultivated once we put the blueprint into architecture and the second piece of that is We've spoken about devotional practices, whether it's, you know, for awaking our divinity or to a higher octave of ourself in the form of a deity, but what is your devotional practice to providing more space? for a higher octave of you to land and what that really looks like is if it's smoking or if it's losing weight or if it's um you know stop having limiting beliefs it's about being devoted to that and to the recognizing the recognition recognition of the patternings that make that prevalent in our lives and so when we wake up in the morning and typically my morning routine is like i don't look at my phone um you know i minimally try to go to the bathroom but I want to go straight into a meditation practice it's from like dream space into meditation to follow that and I've noticed in this new year that I've been really like in my my intellect and my brain and like waking up and looking at my phone and I'm like "Whoa, what is this this is not my devotional practice to myself this is not how I'm honoring my awakening to each new day with starting with that I still want to languidly really reverberate in the dream until I'm ready to architect my day. And so it's a devotion to setting up parameters that allow you to live in ease and grace, that allow you to live in flow, that allow you to be in full alignment and that fullest expression of yourself in every moment by removing the distractions that take you out of that devotional practice. And so trying to stop smoking. You know, you might have to remove yourself from the other people during your break who are outside on their smoke break because that's only going to encourage you to do the same. You know, it's birds of a feather and, you know, wanting to lose weight or anything like that. These are just like typical new year resolutions for people. But it's like coming into a group of people that every day after work, they're out there doing their power walk. Hey, can I join you? Can you help me to be accountable to my own devotional practice? And ultimately, it's about asking for help. We are a society that is devoid of asking for help. We feel like we are in our masculine quality where we can do it ourselves all the time. And I know that so well because I've lived that principle. And it is sometimes very hard to ask for assistance, to ask for help. And most of all, to ask for someone to help you hold yourself accountable. That's a big one because it's somebody calling you on your shit. Shit. Yeah. And it's someone who's saying, "Hey, you asked me to do this. Where's your devotional practice to yourself? And I want to bring you back home as a reminder to yourself into the higher octave of what you really want to call in. But are you devoted to did. calling? You? And so it's devotion. I think in so many ways it's devotion to ourself on a plethora of different octaves, and it can start there just with the simple promise." And when we promise things to ourselves, whether it's today I'm going to get to the gym or today I'm going to send off that email, even though I haven't done it in the last week, whatever it is, when we make promises to ourselves and we don't uphold them, we actually tell our consciousness that we are not trustworthy. And so then it's very, very hard for us to have truth and trust within ourselves. So when we make promises to ourselves, doing our best to uphold our vows and our oaths and our promises to ourselves so that innately, inherently, we are trustworthy. And that trustworthiness goes out into the universe and it attracts other trustworthy people to us. It attracts accountability practices. And most of all, it attracts a devotional practice that spreads out through all ley lines within our life, multidimensionality, and in our physical world as well.
0: Mm. Okay. Thank you. That was really helpful. Really helpful. I love the trustworthy piece. And like when we make that promise and we follow through with it, we tell ourselves in the consciousness of whatever that we are trustworthy. And and then the devotion. I feel like that's why Hanuman is so special to me right now because for me, it all kind of comes back to that, even working out, you know, I was a professional athlete and got away from it for so long and hadn't worked out like other than yoga for five years. And I'm like, I'm a born athlete. Like, what am I doing? Not doing anything with my physical body. And now I'm starting to understand, Oh, this is the house for my soul. Like this is something, this, this is the devotional practice. It's not everything, but it is a piece of the puzzle that needs to be tended to. Um, so for me, like even going to the gym and honoring that side of myself again, has been interesting. We've gone for like two weeks consistently, and that's the most that it's been in five years since I was on stage. So, yet there's that different thing coming back online, and it feels like that physical practice is the missing piece for me. Um, yeah. So, yeah.
1: And it's really honoring that. I don't know specifically your story as to why, after your stage presence, that you took a step back from from following um, that accountability of, you know, working out and things, but it also feels, and this is just an intuitive hit that's coming through that by stepping back into this devotional practice, there may be a a small thread of fear that you're going to take yourself back into that world. And when your life has completely pivoted into a new um, arena, pun intended, um, it almost feels like you're interweaving, where your devotional practices were there, which really created a successful life for you. But that's also not necessarily the life that you're calling in right now. But the devotional practices are your foundation. That is the basis for your Trinity. And so it's a part that really allows for your spirit to hold space for your mind and body to come online as well. And the accountability there is in a new direction. And, but then that's also your permission to aim that beacon anywhere you want.
0: Yeah. That's spot on. Yeah, definitely. It's how I feel like the little bit of nervousness to get back into that world. Cause it's, um, yeah, it can be really superficial and not even thinking about health. And, you know, when you're a professional bodybuilder there, it's a beautiful sport. It was my martial art and my best teacher. I, I don't mean to, I don't want to throw shade on it, but it can, it's almost like it can be, you can be in the undertow of supplements and steroids and photo shoots and all these different things that can get very dark. And, um, it's, it's sometimes it's hard for me to be in the gym because my body wants to compete. Like, it's like, Oh, what if we, you know, I hear that little thing in the back of my head, like, Oh, but what if you just do it naturally or do it? So I, and I flirt with that a little bit, but I'm so into what I'm doing now that I can't put the time in. So I'm really learning how to gas and break and gas and break in this new way. Cause I do like lifting weights. It's like, I'm, I'm a short little stump and it's helping me with my power for yoga. So it's like, it works well. Um, so just learning how to dance with that, the mind, body, and the spirit. And for me, I feel like that's been my missing link for these last five years. Cause we're a whole being. And I've been doing yoga when I teach it and to put together my classes and practicing here and there, but I know I could be such a strong yogi. Like I have all, I can do handstands, no problem. And that takes people's years to get. So there's, there's something there. And maybe that's that little piece that I'm waiting to drop in as. So anyway, just talking out loud with you right now, but. um, yeah, I to
1: remind. That you are already a powerful yogi. It's not something that you have to step into. It's not something that you're waiting to drop in. This is somebody that you already are. Yeah. Mm.
0: Thank you. Absolutely. And so I guess I just want to, you know, I already asked you my home question, but to close it out, um, if you don't mind telling people where they can find you, some of the different stuff that you teach, that they can get involved with you and what you do, um, please take this moment to like just tell people how they can get connected to you.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for that opportunity. And so... For those that don't live in the Caribbean, I do offer virtual readings um, multiple times a week. Um, I have my website, which is J e t a i m e c h e r e e. J-E-T-A-I-M-E-C-H-E-R-E-E.com. I teach Magdalene Reiki, which is the feminine folkloric medicine of the goddess. It's ancient teachings from the temples of the divine feminine in the realm of energy work. And the resuscitation of the feminine ways of healing. And so I teach that online. I do certification programs for Reiki one, two, and three of Magdalene Reiki. I also offer Akashic records online. I do Reiki healing sessions online. I'm a sound shaman as well. So I do sound baths online and I offer also, I also offer um, mentorships as well. Um, I have one program called Energetic Signature, and it is a program that helps you to allow the the innate intelligence and the language of how your body speaks to you in divine ways to come forth for you to really utilize and better yet understand and integrate the small pings and tings and frequencies that come through in your body and what they're speaking to you about and then i also offer a magdalene mentorship as well which is the priestess path and embracing your ritual your ceremony your divination through the path of the feminine and yeah I do a little other things about numerology and astrology and um, etymology because I just love going back to the origins of things the origins of words and how it has taken a turn throughout history to what we are reading about in ancient texts and what it actually means now in today's terms are two different things so trying to hold up the the Libra scales to really understand what our origins are. Yeah, and I teach tarot, (laughs) which is a big one actually, um, because I'm opening a, a tarot school online. And so it'll be called the Tarot Temple. And so I teach the occult and hidden meanings behind the tarot based on the mystery school teachings of Egypt and Atlantis. And so it incorporates um, numerology, astrology, color theory, symbolism, and occult knowledge, um, based off of ancient texts, um, based on the tarot symbolism and the encoded information that is there.
0: So, I want to do everything. I'm like, I feel like I just heard spirit Disney World, and I'm like, oh my god! Like, I want, <laughs> I literally want to do all of that stuff, Shatem. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's,
1: it's so fun. And I just the esotericism of, of life and what we have actually access to in this moment is extremely exciting. And um, I, I have so much to learn. I am an ever evolving student. And so I will never say that I am the guru of anything. Um, I'm a teacher in this moment, but I'm a, a lifelong student. And so let's come be students together. Let's learn together. And allow me to learn from you as well, because every single person I encounter, I learn from too.
0: Beautiful. Such a beautiful way to wrap it up. My goodness. All of that sounds so interesting. Please let me know like, what's going on when when you're launching these different things. I mean... I don't, I wouldn't even know what to jump into first. I think just learning from you would be so powerful and even being in your energy and just, um, watching the way that you move and the way that you listen and connect, I think is also very powerful too. So, um, thank you for your time and energy today. I know we went for kind of a while and could probably go for much longer, but, um, I think I thank you so much, Tim, for everything that you're doing and teaching and learning and exploring in this life. I you are such a powerful soul, and I just feel so grateful to be connected to you and now to have my listeners get a little taste and my my mastermind group is gonna get an even bigger taste. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Danny. Thank you. I celebrate you and I witness you, and I honor you and this beautiful path and the inspiration that you are to so many and to so many more. And I'm holding you accountable to your greatness and the evolution of your permission of power.
0: Thank you. Thank you. um, so And I, everybody out there, thank you. Thank you for your time and energy and listening and joining us for another podcast. I love you all so much. And uh, we will see you on the next one. Peace. Yes. I'm mm-hmm.